Hello and welcome back to another episode of Holistic Healers. This show is now on Amazon Music and Podcasts. So if you're listening from there already, thank you so much for checking that out. And if not, go ahead and check it out if that's your preferred streaming method. All of the episodes that have already been recorded are on there now. So definitely go check it out if you would like. It is a new week and you know what that means. We have another Holistic Healers episode. And as we learn more about holistics and what it means, we start to uncover that the human body is complex and it's interconnected. And when it's thriving and we do stuff that we can control to help it thrive, like bettering our mental health, our emotional health, our physical health, our gut health, our spiritual health, and everything in between, we feel great, right? And the brain often is in charge of this harmony, and its job is to maintain this physiological balance. However, if we suffer an injury, especially a neurological uh, injury, like a traumatic brain injury, our body systems become dysregulated and unbalanced. And so we really begin to struggle to try to go back to what was normal or find that equilibrium again. So today, I wanted to bring on someone who specializes in this concept and helping her clients recover from this. Um, So she has earned her doctorate degree in chiropractic. She has her master's degree in clinical neurology and a bachelor's in kinesiology. She also specializes in functional neurology, and we'll talk about that um, throughout this podcast today. And she's helping patients recover from this. So whether that's a concussion, a traumatic brain injury, movement disorders, post-stroke symptoms and finding rehabilitation and implementing strategies to help with that, uh, vestibular disorders, so balance and dizziness, and just so much more. So I won't take the spotlight away from her anymore. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Dr. Michelle Eisenman. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm good. And you? I'm good. Why don't you start off telling us a little about yourself and what you do? Okay. So I'm going to introduce myself. My name is Dr. Michelle Eisenman. I am, I have a doctorate in chiropractic, a master's degree in clinical neuroscience, and I have over 150, almost actually 300 hours of uh, postgraduate neurological studies in functional neurology. And I'm gearing myself up to get my diplomate right now in uh, chiropractic neurology. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, so we're getting out on that right now. Yeah, how did you get into that world? Oh, that's a great question. (laughs) Start off strong. <laughs> I know. It's like I, I did the same thing to you. So I guess I can get it back. Great. Um, so I got into um, chiropractic neurology because, uh, or functional neurology, you can kind of hear them interdependently. Um, I like saying functional neurology a little bit more because uh, chiropractors are not the only profession that can practice functional neurology. But a lot of the time, uh, the people associated with what I'm trying to get, which is the dip- um, which is it called a DACNB for short. So if there's anyone out there looking for a 
functional neurologist, you can kind of search that acronym and see if you find anyone nearby that has that certification. Um, but that's specific to chiropractic, but other disciplines can definitely take these courses as well and practice functional neurology as a whole. I know know that uh, physical therapists can get a lot of extra training on neurological studies and vestibular rehab. So it's, we're not the only people, but I'll specifically talk about chiropractic neurology uh, today so that people can kind of get a background as what I do. Uh, but I kind of started in this, I always knew I wanted to go into healthcare and help people in a certain degree. Um, my family has a peripheral neuropathy, a genetic uh, issue. It's called Schokomery tooth, uh, CMT for short. And so people that are listening to this probably have heard about it before or not, and it affects your peripheral nerves. And so you stop losing the ability to feel. And if you can't feel something, you can't necessarily move something. So I, I knew I had, I had an interest in neurology from a very young age, my mom is a cancer survivor. Oh, wow. And so, yes. And so I've seen how different things can impact your brain, your neurology. And so I, her first cancer was when she was very young. She's had cancer four times. So it's been a journey, but within that you would think, you know, cancer is a big word. So every again, everyone gets focused on the CA word, the cancer word, but no one really focuses on the in the in between of, okay, you survived cancer. So now what? Yeah. Wait till you get it again. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, growing up, I always saw that there was a huge lack of understanding from practitioner or practitioner going to doctor's office visits with my mom, not really seeing a difference in it. I kind of grew up a, a bit of a sick kid myself every now and then too, um, which I won't get into because that's a whole mold journey in itself. And I know there's people that, you know, are very into that right now, but that's not the topic for today. Um, and so I kind of knew family genetics and things apply to me as well. And I really wanted to strive for quality of life um, for myself and for my mom. And so that's kind of where I started um, throughout my journey. I started realizing that, no, I'm not as perfect as I thought, because my bar on perfection was like, you either have cancer or not. You're healthy, right? You don't have cancer. You're healthy, right? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's kind of what I grew up with. And so I uh, started realizing while being an intern and getting tests done on myself that some of the head injuries I had had from competitive cheerleading and volleyball, um, some few slips on black ice, but <laughs> some <laughs> for lack of coordination, yeah. um, you know, could have done a thing or two. Uh, so um, that's kind of how I got into it. So I did shadow a neurologist, a neurosurgeon, and a physiatrist for a while. And I thought that's what I wanted to get into. Uh, but my major determination to go into functional neurology and not traditional medicine was because I was having a conversation with one of my uh, the mentors and I have absolutely nothing against traditional medicine. I think everything has its time and place, mm -hmm. but he was very honest with me. He said, you know, 
if I had a chance to do this again, I would probably choose a different profession. Oh. And so, yeah, at first I was a little stubborn and I was like, <laughs> oh, you just doesn't want me to eat. You know, because that naturally, that's the thought process. And so after that, um, I kind of got my head out of my ass and I started actually thinking, okay, why would someone as successful, because he's very successful, voted to be, you know, top doctor in Dallas for all for a few times. And so why would he tell me that? Mm-hmm. And so I started really thinking about, okay, I want to help people, but like, how do I want to help people? And what is my calling? So my calling wasn't specifically towards medicine. It was more towards quality of life. And I saw that throughout my life, throughout my mom's life. And so I knew that I wanted to help people with non-invasive therapies to go from medicine to lifestyle. And so there isn't really a bridge in between, you know, you're sick and it's like you're sick or you're not sick, Mm -hmm. but there isn't a bridge in between. Okay. So you were here. How do we get you back to a quality of life and be able to live a healthy lifestyle to the point that you don't have to be handholding with your doctor all the time and you can take autonomy for yourself. So uh, fast forward, I was much like you Googling stuff. Yeah. If you uh, pause real quick, before we were recording, we were talking about just, we were getting to know each other more. And I was talking about how I got into the world of psychology. And I was like, oh, I Googled, how do I mix forensics with psychology? And then now we have holistics. So now we're, now we're up to date. <laughs> yes. And, and I'll be, this is a side note. One of the people that I admire the most, uh, her name is Donna Cranston. She created Defenders of Freedom. It's a veteran organization. And she will herself say, people will ask her, how did you come up with this? And he's like, she's like, I Googled. How do I start a nonprofit? So no I'm shame. on the right track. I'm on the right track, I guess. Yes, we're both. And yes, so me too. I did Google. And so I had seen a chiropractor for myself recently, because I, of course, again, me thinking things that are not normal. I used to lose feeling and sensation in my index finger and the finger next to it. So, you know, if you're watching this, those people that, oh yeah, I do that too. And you kind of clap your fingers sensation back. Right. Um, so I was always doing that. I was kind of always popping my neck and I went to a chiropractor for myself because for some reason, something kind of clicked in my head, like nerves, spinal cord, maybe, right? So I went in there and then I saw an image of the brain's connection towards its organs. And I was like, well, oh, I've never seen an image like that before at any doctor's office before. So, and he had a system called the autonomic nervous system. So I was like, wow, that's crazy. And then I saw how the spine was enveloped inside the spine, um, the spinal cord was inside the spine. And I said, huh, maybe there is a connection to this. Lo and behold, anatomy that's close together functions together. Right. And so, um, I got adjusted and I had feeling in my fingers for the first time in like a long time, um, which I thought, oh, that's just, it is how it is. So I was like, okay, there's something to that. Mm -hmm. Went to another chiropractic office visit got adjusted again, this time from another chiropractor. Cause I'll be honest, he adjusted me. He wasn't super great. So I kind of <laughs> went to 
not all chiropractors are great. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I think that's like therapists too. Like n- you're not going to vibe with everyone. So it's okay. exactly there's people and then there's people. Yep. So I went to this other guy and he gave me a full spine adjustment. And I swear to you, it was the first time in my life that I saw so clearly, I didn't know that I was struggling with visual snow. Uh, and I remember telling my mom, I was like, oh my gosh, like everything is so sharp. Like the colors are so vibrant. And so, um, fast forward to that a little bit, that just means that my brain had a lack of stimulation. Um, and so if you apply stimulation, I had scoliosis, good, proper range of motion, brain knows where body is in space. Then you get to function better. Hence the word functional neurology, right? And so um, I kept Googling, kept seeing things. And I saw this doctor, his name was Dr. Carrick, and he had uh, taken a kiddo that had been playing soccer. He got a traumatic brain injury. There was like a video online about it. He did non-invasive therapies. And he went from being uh, a little hemiplegic, which means one part of his uh, body wasn't working very well to going back to playing soccer. Wow. And I was like, wow. Okay. Whatever that is, I'm going to go ahead and do that. And so I'm a big person of faith. So I prayed about it. I said, okay, if this is the path that you want me to go into, I'm going to apply to a school. And if I get in, that's it. I applied to the school I got in and I just was probably, uh, not, I think now that's changing, but by the time I was doing it, not a lot of people went to chiropractic school with the end goal of doing that. A lot of people went to chiropractic school and then found out about it, right? And so that's how I got into functional neurology um, and decided that those were the tools and the outcomes that I wanted to help people with. Yeah. Well, and you brought up a good point about how you wanted to continue this theme of quality of life, but I'm also hearing like quality of care too. Like I think functional medicine in general, whether it's what you're doing or whether it's holistics or, you know, functional anything, I think it's just about how can I show up as the best physician, doctor, therapist, you know, whoever to this situation and and best meet my client's needs. And I think really only functional medicine can do that. (laughs) I think personally. Uh, Yeah. I think the big reason for that is because, um, hmm, we're very, uh, intentional with Mm -hmm. everything that we do, which can be a bad thing. It can be a bad thing. Cause I do know people that are a little bit too intense and it's like, all right, perfectionism isn't the way to go either. But (laughs) because we, it's very easy to follow that aspect of perfectionism. It's like, I will not touch anything that's not non-toxic. And so, you know, that's just not realistic. The reality is it's like you can try to be the best you can but air pollution is out there we can try to do the best we can as a society but you will be exposed to things and so I do believe that like the reason why people in functional anything do that and the quality of care is because the little things matter to us mm-hmm. like you know a lot like it matters to me at what time my patient wants to eat dinner because if they eat dinner at six as opposed to 8 p.m. and they struggle with uh, POTS or dysautonomia and blood sugar disorders, then I know that's going to make a big difference in their cardiovascular system, their sleep-wake cycle, circadian rhythm. So it's, be- <laughs> it's because we're anal retentive. 
Yeah. Yeah. But it's something that you wouldn't always think about. Exactly. And so I think that, um, a lot of, and that's what, how we should be right. Because every person, you know, my boss is amazing. She is just the bread of God. She's so humble. She's so humble. She's lived a lot. <laughs> um, but she told me something one time that I think is so important to kind of pass on. It's every practitioner has their tool set. So a neurosurgeon is a neuro surgeon. So it's in the word surgery. So what do they do? They cut, they go in, they cut brain bleed tumor. Don't come to me, go to a neurosurgeon, right? You need to go do that. So after they're done with you on that, more than likely they'll refer you to a medical neurologist and it's in the word medicine and neurology. So that's their tool set medicine. And so to an extent, like the problem is the referral factor, because from there you should refer to a functional neurologist. So you see how you can go from a very aggressive intervention to a medium to then a very least invasive intervention. Mm -hmm. And so from there you can kind of collaborate. And I've worked with another neurologist before. He's fantastic. Um, on, Hey, how, how can we best help this person? What are their goals? Some people don't want to get off medication. That's their choice. That's fine. But some people do. It's like, how can we get them, their body to start naturally producing these things? And it's important to have that collaboration because some medications you cannot call, cut cold turkey. You can get a seizure. So um, I do think that that's, you know, where the, the primary issue is. But my boss did such a good job at painting that picture for me when I was a student uh, that I thought, okay, this is, this, that's great. Like that's, makes sense so you don't have to deny a whole profession but saying okay how can we work together on it because it's so necessary right yeah well especially if you're you described earlier it being like what you do is more lifestyle based and behavioral like how do we move to recovery um i think that's just a great aspect and i think it continues that um span of healing almost yeah, it does. And so, you know, most people, uh, very few people, I have met very few people that don't want to have autonomy of their choices. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people want to be able to say like, if given the option, I would like to not have to rely on X, Y, and Z to have a proper life. So that's why there's such an appeal to it too, because no one wants to be, you know, most people don't want to be subject to that. Some people are very comfortable with that and that's fine. Yeah. And it's the choice that matters the most. Exactly. Okay. So within your world, can you describe a little about like what a day-to-day -day is like and like how you're helping clients? Yeah. So I work a lot with military veterans in the mornings. Um, we have some nonprofit organizations, which I'll give a shout out to. So uh, it's first there uh, for combat controllers, defenders of freedom for post 9-11 war veterans, uh, combat and coast to coast, which is for operators, special forces. Um, and they're, they're fantastic. Um, I love working with them because um, it, it brings most of them do a pretty good job at trying to get back to normal or have that desire of, okay, I, I want to get back to normal. And we help a lot with our blast injuries and concussions and traumatic brain injuries. 
uh, in the evenings or afternoons, not evenings, but in the afternoons, we see civilians. And so that can be anything from concussion to uh, dysautonomia POTS to vestibular dizziness issues to neuropathies to uh, regular chiropractic wellness and maintenance to, um, you know, it, anything that's regarding kind of brain, it's post-stroke actually is a big one too. And so a kind of a typical thing for us, I'd rather take you through what a typical first day is yeah. for us. So in a, in a perfect world, if you happen to have filled out all of our intake paperwork, um, and you are, you have set aside the time to do this, then this is kind of what it would look like, uh, especially on the civilian, right? So you would come in, you would do at least a 30 to 40 minute history with myself or Dr. Godet. Um, and from there, we're going to talk about everything, past medical history. We're going to talk about surgeries. We're going to talk about um, lifestyle. So what is your food intake like, breakfast, lunch, dinner, if any of that, um, bowel movements, GI, uh, past infections, um, you know, current career status. I mean, everything. So once we're done kind of getting to know all of that, we go straight into a neurological bedside exam, um, which it's all about symmetry. So the brain has two hemispheres, two sides to the crane, uh, brain stem has two sides of cranial nerves. So we want to test and see what is your normal and does the left uh, side of your body behave the same as the right side of your body. Um, of course, with some added, um, palpation for chiropractic as well. Um, and then from there, out of those, we make a determination on if you're a candidate for further testing. And by that there's objective testing that is a CNSVS. So that is an, I, um, brain processing speed test, not an IQ test. So reaction time, verbal memory, psychomotor speed, cognitive flexibility, executive function, et cetera, um, a balance assessment, um, and an eye movement assessment. And so with all of that placed together, also working on goals, because we always ask, okay, what are your top three goals that we want you want help with? Because we need to know, you know, if we're going to be able to help or not. So we've had people in the past with Parkinson's mm -hmm. come in, um, which you would think, oh, that falls in the medicine category. Well, sometimes they want to work on function too. So it's important to know, you know, where you're at, what medications are you taking? Who is your provider? And be realistic with some expectations as to what we can provide, mm -hmm. right? And so and work on that. We've also seen people that have come, with a concussion and they have really low expectations and lo and behold, we are able to do a little bit more than that. So that's kind of what a first typical day looks like. Now therapy can look different for everyone. Yeah. So um, that can mean a little bit of chiropractic, a little bit of eye movement, balance, dizziness, strength and conditioning, um, definitely a lot of sensory integration of can your brain you know, see, smell, feel, move, interpret that language, piece it together. Um, and it's a, it's a lot of fun. I'll be honest. Yeah. Our office is really quirky. Um, it's definitely a healing environment. 
Um, there's a lot of talk on nutrition and, you know, the basics of things. And so we kind of have the opposite approach, right? So from neurosurgery, you go all the way down to least invasive. From us, you go from least invasive and if necessary, more invasive. Yeah. Well, that's, I, that, this world is so new to me and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, I feel like I'm learning so much. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of want to explore more of that nutritional piece or maybe just like treatment plans in general for the patients that you see. Um, does nutrition play a big role when it comes to these injuries or maybe helping their recovery um, or what other treatment plan stuff are you usually recommending to people? Yeah. So this is the basic concept that every person needs to understand. Okay. So for a healthy brain cell, for, for a brain cell to be healthy, you need a few things. So you need fuel that can be nutrition. You can see that as glucose metabolism, uh, blood work. You, you need the fuel, you need the nutrients for your brain to be able to do things. Now, nutrition in itself is a whole world. And I'm going to go ahead and right off the bat say that there is not a specific nutritional plan for everyone in the world. It's what's specific to you and doing something for a short period of time and not necessarily long-term is okay. So it, I to think about nutrition as being a dynamic process. Okay. Uh, not necessarily like I can only do this nutrition for the rest. That's not, that's not real. And also food is great. Like let's hope that you can enjoy food without damaging yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. So fuel is one oxygen is the other one. So quite literally breathing, uh, things that impede breathing. So there are certain diseases like COPD that can impede breathing. So now you're thinking more medically on that. Um, the other one can be hypoxic injuries. So scuba diving injuries or airplane rides, right? So no one really thinks about airplanes, but think about this. You take one drink in the ground, but you go up in the sky and it hits you like a freight train. You, you know, that's so true. <laughs> yeah. So no one thinks about it until yeah. you got an algae out and you're like, oh, I guess it is. So yeah, I did get drunk that one time. <laughs> yeah. All I'm saying is just yeah. putting it out there. Um, but these things make an effect on um, where you live makes an effect because, you know, being uh, closer um, to sea level and being closer to mountain level makes a big difference on oxygenation. You know, have you been exposed to uh, infections in the past that like pneumonia that have damaged your lungs? So that's oxygen. Uh, the other one is no goals. So that's a what was big it? category, no free radicals, no free radicals. Okay. That's a category in itself. And that's where you can lump pathogens, environmental toxins, um, you know, genetic the SNPs like the MTHFR that everyone's like knowing about nowadays. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you can lump that whole category. So it's anything that promotes inflammation or inhibits your uh, ability to be able to produce nutrients best. So there's a reason why we like berries. They're antioxidants. So that that's where the whole accident craze comes from is to combat these other aspects of life. Right. So that are a little bit more exogenous, uh, or even endogenous. So autoimmunity. So anything that creates a free radical, right. Anything that's bad BAD. So 
when you have those, it's like having electricity and a plug. So you're not always going to have them 100%. Um, it is fairly normal to not have them 100%, but you can work on them lifetime-wise so that they can try to be 100%. So that's why some people freak out about it. But I'm like, but you drove today so that you obviously have some preservation of function. So you need to have that. The last thing that is needed is stimulation it's activation and so it doesn't it doesn't really matter how much electricity you have in a plug if you never plug the device in and turn it on mm-hmm. and so you see people in healthcare especially in this functional world focusing a little bit too much on one aspect and one alone um, and you can spend time on each of them to improve them. But the fact of the matter is, is that you have to spend a little bit of time on all of them. And so that's where we come in in the stimulation and a little bit of the fuel for delivery, right? So we talk a little bit about nutrition. We talk a little bit about toxins. We talk a little bit about pathogens. We talk about oxygenation. We prescribe specific exercises to stimulate the areas that need to be active and to create neural pathways. So a treatment plan for a singular person, um, I can tell you that can be different for everyone. So I have, you know, I can give you an example. I have a person that has specific goals. um, And so her treatment plan involves eye movements, um, vagal tone activity, chiropractic, um, and a device called RTMS, um, which is repetitive transcranial magnetic stimulation. So that's an hour long treatment plan. It's about 15 minutes each. We also have patients that need a little bit more care. And so they have a little bit of a neuropathy section to help improve their their feet. They have more therapeutic activities, uh, driven that are more cognitive. They have neural timing, they have vestibular work. So it depends on what we find in that initial, uh, exam and what are your goals and how, how do we paint this picture together? It's like, this is where you're at. This is where you want to be. And how can we get there? Yeah. Wow. That is, I'm like blown away. (laughs) Like so much, like maybe it's just me, like not knowing much about the world to start with but mm-hmm. I just think it's so cool that it's not just one thing like there are definitely there's definitely aspects multiple different aspects that go into this and I'm also hearing like a nature versus nurture kind of thing like there's stuff that you can do as the patient to help with your health and it doesn't take the autonomy away from them and I love that I don't know if that's just Uh, like the functional medicine playing a role or if that's just this world in general, but yeah, allowing clients to have choice, I think is so important. I can tell you functional medicine is one piece of the pie chart that we do. So it's definitely included in there. Okay. Um, And it kind of goes into the aspect of fuel and and, uh, radicals because functional medicine deals a lot with, okay, this is where your nutritional deficiencies are. This is what your current blood work states, you know, can we do this dietarily? Do we need to do more supplement? Do you need medication? So functional medicine is like a piece of a pie chart of a large chart. And so a lot of what we do, uh, we collaborate. So I collaborate with a nurse practitioner, uh, in the office as well. And we have, um, MAs, there's other nurses, there's chiropractors. And so a master of all is master of none, but you need to still know enough so that you can say, 
you know, there's a nutritionist in our office as well, Mm -hmm. um, that we collaborate with. We actually just did that today. We met with him. We said, Hey, these are our patients. These are the people you're going to meet with tomorrow. These are our thoughts from their labs. This is what I think each person needs. You do your thing. Mm -hmm. And so he reports back to us. And then we know that they're handled on that side. Yeah. Well, and I think in general too, like, yeah, you can be a master in a specific skill and it's probably helpful to a certain niche population, but at the end of the day, you know, our bodies are so interconnected and they're so complex and everything works together to some degree. And so you have to have that understanding of how everything is working together, essentially. Yeah. And and to add to that, there's an aspect of psychology that is very much involved in this because, um, you know, everyone knows the book, the body keeps the score. I love that book because it really starts relating how things of the mind can go into things of the body and brain. And so it, it starts taking away that picture that we, I don't know why people have this secular thinking that like, oh, chemistry is chemistry and physical is physical and mind is no, like they're very much interconnected. And so I do have a really fun story. So you would really like so um I'm not going to disclose any information about this person but I do want to talk about it because uh this person was blown away I was blown away and these are things that you learn about but it's not until you see it in person you're like okay so this isn't going to be specific to everyone I just want to make that disclaimer um the different the issue in between research and clinical models is that research is percentage based on X amount of people were successful. Okay. What about the other 10%? That's a lot of people. Yeah. (laughs) And in a clinical model, you work Mm one-to-one. So you can't always compare research to clinical things. So please don't necessarily take this as uh, something that may happen to you. But uh, one of the things that we learn about in functional neurology is eye movements are like the window to the brain. Forget the soul. It's the brain. And so I movement, it's not how well can you see me? It's how well can you move is directed to specific areas of the brain. This is why when you get a concussion uh, and you have a head injury, first thing they do is, can you see this? Can you move? Can you, right? Because we're, they're trying to see through eye function, how the brain is performing at that time. Now I'm not going to get into that piece because I have a whole you know, thing about it, about how protocols should be, but, uh, that's a separate episode. That's a separate <laughs> You'll episode. just be back on and we'll learn about this too. <laughs> yeah. And we'll just have coffee and we'll make yeah. it a whole thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. like, Hey, how you doing girl? So anyways, um, the thing that you learn about this is, um, that function in areas of the brain are very correlated. So there's a very big tie in between vertical eye movements, vertical pursuits, Specifically, pursuit means being able to look at a target and follow it um, up and down. It's correlated to the midbrain or that, you know, section of the brainstem that is a very top section. That midbrain is very connected to a lot of internal structures in the brain, like the limbic system, which is the emotional area of the brain, the amygdala, and especially dopamine receptors uh, where the basal ganglia resides. And so I was working with a patient. And so he had told me that he had had some childhood issues and childhood trauma. And so, it, you know, 
let's be real. No one ever comes to your office with one singular problem. Like you can have, I, you know, I hate this reference, but it's a great one. Like people are like an onion. Mm-hmm. And so you have like layers and layers and layers and layers. And so one of his layers was childhood trauma and abuse. And so uh, one of the things about that is that we were working on eye movements. We were working on things. He was doing an excellent job at the fuel, excellent job at oxygen, excellent job. Uh, we were working towards, cause he did have some pathogens that needed to be addressed. Um, and physiologically stimulation wise, excellent. One of the things that I always ask my patients is, are you working with a mental health professional or a counselor or because there is such a thing as like talking things out. It's actually a very neurological process. Like you you speak it, you in, hear it, you interpret it, your frontal lobe hears it, your temporal lobe hears it. So it's a very neurological process, but we did eye movements one day and they weren't very great. So I said, okay, this is really far out there, but let's do this. You have a counseling session tonight, do your counseling session. And I want to retest this very specific portion because it's very correlated to these things, um, to these eye movements. And so he had his counseling session and the next day we retested and it was perfect. And I'm perfect. And it was a very emotional moment for the both of us because, you know, this kind of proved to him that the things that he's been doing are function driven and that there is improvement, that there is, you know, another side. He saw a lot of improvements in itself too, but that was a lot of fun because, you know, it was absolutely terrible. And he had been dealing a lot with, you know, a lot of things emotionally that he was very supercharged and it was so emotionally charged that you can even see it physiologically on his functional ability to do an action. You know what I mean? And so that was really fun. So again, that's a one-off that's not necessarily going to happen to everyone, but again, cause it's a, cause like we said earlier, it's that pie chart. I mean, you could have things wrong in any aspect of your life. I mean, I know another person that wasn't getting better, wasn't getting better, wasn't getting better. And we did, I mean, they did everything, mold, parasites, food, stimulation, medications. Turns out it was a chemical issue. They were allergic to their dry cleaning. Oh, interesting. That's so random. (laughs) Yep. And so it can be something like that. And so not to parent, make people get paranoid, but I'm saying like, have, have, be patient and have some grace with it because you know, it is what it is. But yeah. So this person was allergic to his dry cleaning and he didn't know this, but it's the delayed response, not what people think allergies are. And he was getting neurological symptoms because of his dry cleaning, stop dry cleaning. Everything went away. Wow. Oh my gosh. See, and it just reminds me, I'm like, it's stuff like that, that you can't find. And I bet he went through like hours and hours and appointments and appointments after appointments, like trying to find answers. And it's just so disheartening and it's can be so overwhelming. And then something like that. And then there's so much relief. Yep. Yeah. And so it's one of those things that it's like, I think a lot of people in the mold world they're starting to understand that when they're like, oh, I'm moldy environment, not moldy environment. But that's why I say like, just be patient and do the best you can with what you have and just don't lose heart. But, um, you know, what's good for one person may not be good for everyone. So not 
every person in the world that gets dry cleaning done has that response. Yeah. I'd hope not. (laughs) Yeah. Because we would know about it, but you know, so, and this person had had a concussion and uh, fistula and vestibular issues. And so they did everything that's like protocol and done. And so, and that was a big, you know, that was it for, for him. Not that they didn't still need to work on the other aspects, but that significantly decreased the symptoms and he was actually able to heal because you can't really heal if you keep putting fuel to the fire. Yeah, exactly. It ma- after you saying that story, it makes me think, I wonder how many clients you get. Um, maybe this doesn't relate to like concussion or TBIs. I'm not sure. Maybe it does. But how many people are coming with mental health background or like like traumatic mental health backgrounds to your office? Because I just keep thinking of like the mind-body connection. Like sometimes we don't know we have mental health symptoms, but they're showing up somatically and vice versa. And maybe I'm getting clients who have a lot of like body sensations or injuries that they're maybe they're not even aware of and, or it's causing mental health concerns and it's actually because of a somatic issue. I don't know. And I wonder about that, like your practice as well. Oh, one, almost every person. Like a hundred percent every person. I don't, like I said earlier, I, people are like onions. I mean, just because you had a TBI life, isn't going to be like, you know what? You got a TBI. I'm not going to give you any trauma. So, <laughs> yeah, right. So, and just because you had a mental something doesn't mean that you're not going to be susceptible. So, I mean, every single person, but at the, the very end of it, you know, I was taking a mastery, uh, mastering of neurochemistry course. And we were talking about PCOS. And so now that's like an endocrine disorder. And so you look at that. And one of the things that bothers me when you look at uh, endocrine disorders or TBI or like any of these physical things or because I feel like chemistry can be a little physical sometimes. Mm -hmm. They say like, well, these people are more subjected to schizophrenia, OCD, anxiety. like, And they just start naming off all these mental health things. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, if your brain's on fire and it's not producing the things it needs to produce, like I would be cranky too. Yeah, I would be doing that stuff too, you know, and if you've experienced trauma, like whether it be physical, emotional, sexual of any kind, childhood, um, that definitely can affect your neurochemistry that definitely can affect your function. And so what is the solution for you? I don't know. You have to try a lot of different things. A lot of people get relief from, uh, physical treatment and they improve function that improves and they were able to get out of it. And they're like, you know what? I thought I needed to go through these things, but I actually have a much mental clearly and I'm better at it. That's it. Some people need more of talk therapy. They do that. And they're like, that didn't even know that was it. But I've also, you know, those people that get, get like, like muscle work uh, yeah. that they get like massage therapy and, and they experience a real, like that could be you, or it could be a stepping stone in your journey. And so I think like a lot of people are really focused on trying to find that end goal. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to find that end goal because you still have a lot of life to live. Now you can get like a lot more quality of life, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're like, I've reached my goal. I'm going to have pizza every night now. So that's not how it is. It's yeah. a lifestyle. <laughs> it is a lifestyle and we're changing every single day and we're getting older every single day. And so our needs change too. So it can't just be like you were saying with your diet too. Like we have to be able to mold to who we become, our environments, where we move, like all the different things. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it when I see people on, I'm so sorry, I have to say that. I, I don't like it when I see people on social media that are very dogmatic uh, because that's not specific to any person. And it's not like, but first off, you shouldn't be getting like your healthcare advice solely from social media. I know that those are talking points, y'all. So if you're listening to this, this isn't like specific to you. I'm not actually talking to you. This is talking points for you to talk to your practitioner and say like, Hey, I, I found out about these things. What do you think about it? Mm-hmm. So, so that you can apply or not apply some of these things to you. So there's things that I'm saying that some, it will never apply to some people. That's okay. Well, that's okay. Cause we're all different too. So we all, again, but going back to needs, we all have different needs. So yeah, that's why I like the, um, something we reference a lot in our office is called the blood type diet. If you've ever heard of that, I haven't. Okay. So it's pretty neat. I think it's a pretty old book, um, but it's called the blood type diet. And the theory behind it is that depending on what your blood type is, you have an easier time processing certain foods. And so, uh, you know, is that going to be a hundred percent for everyone? No. You know, is that something that we recommend as like a guide to maybe live more in anti-inflammatory? Yeah, that, but I have a lot of people that get stressed out about it and they're like, oh, I'm not following the diet 200%. It's like, well, I think at the very end, you can say like processed, not processed, inflammatory, anti-inflammatory. And then if you still have issues with that, then work with a certified nutritionist that can help you. Like if you have lupus and you're trying to do a diet based on your you know, autoimmune condition, work with a clinical nutritionist and they can potentially help you. And if they don't, if you don't like them, find another one. Switching gears. It made me think of just the type of clients you see. Do you see any like neurodevelopmental clients or like disorders? Okay. I personally don't because we did try. It was too much shifting between doing veterans in the morning and having those conversations and then seeing children in the afternoons. It was really hard. Uh, it's just a mental mind shift. And so, but I do know of a lot of functional neurologists uh, that specifically see children and that's their vocation. Um, every person that knows anything about neurodevelopment in this world knows the word, the name Dr. Robert Malilo. Okay. Uh, and he is uh, definitely one of the biggest educators with, within that. So if you're a practitioner that wants to specialize on children, that's a great place to start. Okay. Yeah. I, cause I'm just thinking about like autism, ADHD, you know, and all in between. And I'm like, I wonder if that applies at all. Yeah. This all applies because there, I, I, although I don't see children, I do know about them because I still have to take neurodevelopmental courses to get what I do. Uh, and you know, well, some of it can be, please stop feeding your kid things that, you know, don't blame the kid for having ADHD if they eat McDonald's every day, you know, or, or you give them like ice cream every night, like the poor kid, it's like, you're not building him up for success. Some kids get exposed to uh, streptococcal infections and that goes straight into their brain and they can develop something called PANS, 
or pandas. And so it's pediatric autoimmune uh, disease. And so, you know, when it comes to autism, do I know where it comes from? Absolutely not. Do That's I think- it's a big oh, question. <laughs> I know, right? Do I know that a lot of kids struggle with viral infections um, and neurological disorders? Absolutely. So I think one of the biggest things to do uh, if you have a kiddo that's suspected to have an auto um, autism is one of the things that you should normally do is get them tested for viral things, Epstein-Barr virus, streptococcal infections. You know, it's better safe than sorry, because if this is something you can do something about, why not? Yeah, absolutely. And go get a psychological test too. Yeah. <laughs> the one. <laughs> Yeah, you can do all of that stuff. And so, and I think it's just the more information you have about the case, the more you can kind of sit back and be like, okay, this makes sense to go about it this route. But, you know, one of the things that I know is that there's a lot of kiddos that struggle with pans that, you know, a lot of people aren't aware of, and it's not just always a round of antibiotics. Sometimes it takes a little bit more and every kid is different. And so, you know, viruses love neurological tissue. They attach to neurological tissue and they can give you some pretty crazy signs and symptoms. Mm -hmm. So vaccinate kids. I kind of want to hear your take. <laughs> on vaccination? You know, I don't really have a, a take on it because I am definitely a person that is very bio-individual. And so, you know, I think it's unfair to say one or the other, because the fact of the matter is, is like, you can't compare someone, for example, that has healthy bowel movements, that has a clear liver enzymes to a person that's constipated, that has bad liver enzymes, that has an MTHFR gene mutation. Like the likelihood of one of them responding back to something um, is higher for this guy than that guy. And so, you know, I think it's one of the things that I'm going to have to ask God, okay, what was the thing about autism and what was the thing about vaccines? Because it's one of those, I definitely think those are topics that make you be in that stage that you're like, the more, you know, the more you realize you don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, th I forget what that, oh, it's like a political the science. Yeah. Effect or yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was about to reference. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know they're hot topics in general. I was just curious because I was like, oh, I wonder if you would know. I mean, have I seen people that attribute some of the neurological symptoms to vaccines? Yes. Have I seen people that have had vaccines and they don't attribute their neurological symptoms to it? Yes. Have I seen people that, you know, so it, it's such a person to person thing uh, that it's like, just do the best decision you can for yourself yeah. at that point in time. Cause you know, it is kind of a Russian roulette to be honest. Yeah, I bet. Um, switching gears. I just thought of also like memory and like TBIs or like concussions and stuff. When people come and see you, do you notice improvements in their memory after experiencing these injuries? Oh, absolutely. So it's funny you say that I had one of the veterans ask me about this um, on Monday, but memory, memory is like a box of chocolates like to quote Forrest Gump. Yeah. Like you never really know what you're going to get. So there's a, you know, when it comes to memory is like 
the lack thereof can be like a, just a big symptom, much like pain or headaches or tinnitus. Like they're like these big words and they have like causes can be like so many different causes. Now, can someone with, can a concussion cause memory issues? Absolutely. Um, now how do you rehab that and how do you get to it? Because the reason could be lack of sleep. Like you find out, Oh, sleep like three hours a night, every night. Well, you don't have any REM sleep. You're not really solidifying any of your memories. You don't have any energy, you know, or it can be emotional trauma. Oh, I'm I actually have PTS and I'm actually trying to suppress subconsciously something and you don't really get to choose what goes away. So you suppress this big thing and it's like, oh, we're just going to take away procedural memory too, because you don't even know where to put your keys. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and so it, it can be kind of a big box of chocolates, but do I see people getting um, memory better? Absolutely. If I've worked with someone and I feel like their memory is improving, but they still score low, that's when I open the conversation on, all right, when are you working with a mental health practitioner? And do you have any things you need to talk about? And are you ready for that? Because that it could be, could be that, but I do know that, you know, you can't really expect someone to have good memory if their hormones are jacked. So, you know, hormone production begins in the brain. We got the hypothalamus, the pituitary, they signal the thyroid, the gonads, the, you know, the adrenal glands. Like, so, you know, everything in the brain has a lot to do with hormones. And if you don't have good hormone production, you have inflammation, you have a crappy diet, you don't really sleep. You're on a bajillion medications that have uh, side effects with each other. Like, I don't know how you would expect to have a normal function. No. Is that kind of testing that you do at your place? Like, do you look into hormonal testing? We do. So we do lab work, which I guess is something I forgot to say. We do lab work. And um, as a chiropractor, I am able to look and interpret labs. Um, And so um, we, I can't uh, make recommendations for medication, but Mm -hmm. I can do more lifestyle and supplementation. And then that's how the collaboration between the nurse practitioner goes. So if she sees something that's uh, not functionally out of range, but lab based out of range, then she can go in with some of her uh, more medical uh, training. And if there's something that's more functional range, but we still know it's making an effect, that's where we come in. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So we look at everything. And so we look at all thyroid function, all sex hormones, you know, just because you're a female doesn't mean you can't, like you need need to still look at testosterone. If you're a male, you still need to look at estrogen, Uh, inflammatory markers, irregular CBC. So white blood cell count, liver values, uh, HbA1c, all, all the shebang. Wow. It's very holistic. Like it's definitely functional, but yeah, it's, you have a very holistic process when it comes to your patient's health. And I really admire that. So thank you for doing that, even though I'm not there, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like, I was thinking about it the other day and it's like, if you think about your car and you're like, you know, I'm only going to do an oil change, but I'm never going to check my tires and I'm never going to do my brakes. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, if you think, you know, we're so good at being very specific on other aspects of our life, but I mean, it's just because there's a whole lot, right? There's just a whole lot that you, so that's why I'm like, take it easy. But 
it's a whole journey, but we, but if you look about it that way, you're like, well, you wouldn't want to really just take your car in and you would never not check your brakes and only do an oil change. Well, why not do that with yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. First, I just, I guess I want to say thank you for sharing all this information. It's been so helpful. <laughs> thank you. I think it was good. I hope I didn't just get in my soapbox. Sometimes I wonder how I come off and some people must be like, man, this girl. So there's a running joke in the office. Um, and some of the patients have du- dubbed me Dr. Mean. <laughs> Why? Because I make them do things. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, sorry, like you, you can't eat that. It's not for forever. It's just like for the next 30 days, don't eat that. Or they get better at something. And I'm like, that's awesome. Good job. Let's make it harder. So (laughs) well, they're paying for it. Like why? I've been, so for, for all of those people that I know may be listening to this, like, I know you, I see you. I know you call me Dr. Mean. So. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, for people that aren't working with you and maybe want to, where can they find you? Uh, so the best way to look us up is resiliency BH and that's B as in brain, H as in health.com. The clinic's name is resiliency brain health. And we're located in old town Coppell, um, inside a building called Livestream med. And so, um, that would be the best place to reach, um, and get information about how to become a patient. Um, we have an incredible website that, talks about each of our services and what we do and expectations. And I will just tout on our office staff. They are incredibly fast at getting back to people and very good at determining if we're a good, you know, pair or if there's another place nearby that can see you. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Well, like I said, thank you so much for being on the show. It was good to talk to you and learn from you. I, I've loved this. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. Yeah. And thank you again to all the listeners tuning in and uh, subscribing too, if you are. Um, I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple. I'm on Google. Now I'm on Amazon. So I feel like I'm everywhere now. (laughs) I know. Thank you. Yep. And you can find me on Instagram too. Um, You guys have my Gmail and feel free to reach out if you want to be the next guest. It was so good, like I said, to have you on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right. Talk to you all soon. Bye.